You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most passionate business owners on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, well known visionaries, and people just like you who have a story to share or a brand that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In the heart of Muskoka, home to some of Canada's finest nature and cottage escapes, there lies a town called Bracebridge. It's a place you can come to create, to taste, and to truly live. There's nothing quite like it. Which is why I'm so excited to bring you a special six-episode series in partnership with this magical little town. I'll be sitting down with local shop owners, restaurateurs, visionary entrepreneurs, artists, and above all, kind-hearted individuals who love sharing a piece of the town they live in. Bracebridge, Ontario is the perfect place to escape for an adventure, for relaxation, and to live out your own most visionary life. Be sure to stay in the loop with what's going on at Visit the Bridge on Instagram, V-I-S-I-T-T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Today, I'm sitting down with a beautiful soul who I met just over two years ago while wedding dress shopping. Her name is Crystal Darling, and she is a mama, a kick-ass entrepreneur of not one business, but two businesses, and she's a lover of all things fashion. Like, her style is absolutely amazing. I first connected with Crystal while searching for my dream wedding dress, a quest that took me all the way to Bracebridge, Ontario, since I knew her shop had the exact dress that I was searching for. It was so serendipitous, and it just so happened Dave and I had chosen a wedding venue just a few minutes away from her shop at as well. My experience working with Crystal was nothing short of amazing. She made the whole thing start to finish super comfortable, especially for someone like me who barely ever gets out of her Lululemons and tank tops. With an eye for unique and beautiful pieces, owning two boutique businesses is not just Crystal's job, it's her passion. She is also the owner of a shop called Bell's Boutique, which is a carefully curated clothing store that offers an array of exclusive fashion brands for women. Also, might I point out before we dive into this episode that not only is Crystal Superwoman, runs two businesses, she booked the recording of this podcast just 
a couple of days before she gave birth to her second baby boy, Watson. Congrats, Crystal and family. In this episode, we are going to chat about how she's been able to build something so much greater than just a retail store, the challenges she has faced in starting a clothing business in a small and seasonal town, why she decided to launch her second business, Darling Bridal Boutique, in addition to owning and running Belle's Boutique, The importance of partnerships is something we touch on, as well as collaboration and getting involved in your community, and so, so much more. You can find Crystal, you can find Belle's Boutique, or Darling Bridal by following the links in our show notes. But for now, let's dive into the episode. Crystal, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to sit down with you today. Uh, We actually connected maybe two years ago. I was searching for the perfect wedding dress. And being that I was getting married in Bracebridge, I thought, well, let me just check if there's a shop that sells dresses in that town. So your store popped up. I ended up booking a time to come see you and I ended up finding the dream wedding dress there. And I had no idea that two years later, we'd be sitting down here recording this conversation. So thank you for being on the show today. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me and such a small world. Like who would have ever thought that we would be here now, but it's so nice to be on and to reconnect a little bit and chat about business. Yes, yes. So excited to dive in because you've got a lot going on with two different (laughs) businesses. We were also just chatting before recording that you're having a baby on Wednesday. So first of all, thanks for making the time to record this and to share your journey just a mere days before having your second babe. (laughs) Um, Let's dive in with some quick fire questions so that the listeners can get to know you. So where did you grow up? So I actually was born in Oakville, Burlington area. And so we lived in Burlington until I went into high school. And then um, we moved up to Bracebridge. My parents actually had a chain of clothing stores and they opened one in uh, Bracebridge. So we moved up here when I went to high school. So I feel like I grew up here, but we did come when I was like 14, I think. So Mm -hmm. did you like the change to a smaller town or were you a little bit resistant to leave a bigger city when they first said like we're moving this is what we're doing I was like are you insane but I actually loved it I think my younger sister had a harder transition than I did I don't know why but I actually really liked it um and then I don't know once you're here there's just something about it I mean, I went to university in Ottawa in Carleton and I thought like I would never leave Ottawa and that was it. And then you just, you miss it and you want to come back and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes it's just that like inexplainable magic that you feel when you're there. Definitely. I'd love to know what's one of the first things you do when you wake up in the morning? (laughs) Um, I try not to check my phone. That's been a new habit. Um, Definitely uh, get a coffee. I would say that is my most reoccurring first thing in the morning what I do um our son has decided to sleep with us every night uh not something I'm super keen on but comes in at about three in the morning so he wakes us up at then like six so a coffee is pretty essential absolutely what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments in business so far um I think think just the community that we've created around the businesses. I think both of the shops have just like a 
a really unique following in terms of how we connect with our customers and our clients. And I don't know, that's something I'm really proud of because I feel like I've built a lot of friendships through these, like through both the businesses, as well as just having people that really rely on us and know that we're there and count on us. And yeah, I don't know, it's something simple, Mm -hmm. but not really, I guess, a business accomplishment, but yeah, it's, we've built a really great community around both of the shops. So I think that's so cool. And I think it's something that's really overlooked that being a business owner, it's more than just making transactions every day. Like what experience do you give your customers? Do they feel like they're part of the family? Do they love coming in your shop? And that's not something that you feel when you enter every single store. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um, How would you describe the town of Bracebridge in one word? That is a tricky one. Um, (laughs) I want to almost say traditional, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, We, it's just a quintessential small town and that kind of does feel magical when you come. Um, We definitely have some things to work on. I think Uh, every small town needs to innovate and move forward a little bit, but we are, I don't know, just a traditional, unique, small town and the community is really something special to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So cool. So let's zoom the lens back before you entered the world of Belle's Boutique and Darling Bridal. You said you went to school in Ottawa at Carleton. So what were you studying there? And what did you expect your career path to be? Uh, So when I left high school, went into university, I really had no expectation or direction. (laughs) I started um, in journalism at Carleton, which is a great program. It's an amazing program. And my first year, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't know what I would do with it. There was also a lot of like negative connotations around like, what can you do with journalism when like print is dying and all this stuff. And I think writing was what I was like most keen on in general. So then I felt well, what will I do? Um, So after first year, I just kind of transitioned and I ended up graduating with a um, double major in English and history, which also are not useful to me at all. Um, But yeah, I didn't really have a plan, to be honest. I had no idea what I was going to do. thought maybe I'd go back and do my master's. People were like, oh, go be a teacher, which I had no interest in. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a little mishmash all through university, but I, my parents have always owned businesses. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely ingrained in me, um, to be an entrepreneur in a sense, but, um, yeah, I didn't have a plan. (laughs) Yeah. So then you graduate and what did you do? Did you move back to Bracebridge? (laughs) Did you have those conversations with your parents of like, Hey, could I get involved? Or were you working there for the summers? Um, so I actually really didn't work for my parents too often. Like I was always around and I watched the businesses. I knew how they ran it. I knew how things worked, but I didn't work for them too, too much. Um, when I graduated, I did come back to Bracebridge, um, but only for the summer. So I actually was serving and bartending like everyone else. Um, and then I actually met my husband in my fourth year of university. So um, he lived in Georgetown, Ontario, and I ended up moving back to Burlington, um, for the year after that first summer and just kind of trying to get our footing, like think of what I was going to do next. Again, I just served for another year. And then we actually went to Nashville and we drove, took a road trip there 
And on that road trip, we made a business plan for Bell's Boutique. <laughs> and that was in 2013. And I don't know, the idea just kind of evolved from there. So it was actually more so Chris and I just chatting. And he's like, what do you want to do? What do you like? Because I was kind of struggling with where will I go from here? Do I want to go back to school? I had all, I actually had applied um, to go back to university and, and I'd gotten in and whatever, but it just didn't feel like what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, road tripped, made a, a very casual business plan and yeah, it kind of evolved from there. Did you know that the store would be in Bracebridge or were you not location specific? We, we had been talking about coming back to Muskoka. I really missed it. I really did not love being in Burlington. Like my family was a lot of my family still there. I had a lot of really close friends that are still there, but it just didn't feel like home and it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like where we would settle down. And Chris, even like Georgetown isn't a small town anymore, but it was when he was growing up. So Mm -hmm. I think for him too, he felt like this was like a good place to kind of settle and maybe set Like, I don't know. We, we toyed with it a lot and he didn't actually move up right away with me. But Mm -hmm. yeah, once we, once I decided the store was kind of happening, it sort of inched me closer to coming back up here. Mm -hmm. So I want to dig in there because a lot of the listeners have started to write business plans on road trips before, or like it's in their head, (laughs) but not often does it actually go to that next step of like, okay, well, now I'm going to look for a place and now I'm going to seek out vendors. So what happened after that trip to Nashville? Like, were you just like all in? I'm going to start <laughs> making this happen. Was it a slower process? What were some of the first things you did to bring this to life? So, yeah, when I got home, I was um, <clears throat> like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Let's make it happen. Let's see. I um, had been working quite a lot in the restaurant industry, you can make a lot of money, (laughs) Um, tips and things. So I really had been saving and I thought, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And Mm -hmm. my parents, obviously it was very beneficial that my parents had these connections already in terms of like, I knew what a buying show was. I knew how all of that worked. So um, the spring buying show was in August of that year. We got back in June So I ended up like registering my business before then. Um, I did write up a pretty formal business plan as well. Um, But I made, I started searching out like what brands we would want to carry, what, where we would want to start. I did not have a location yet, but Mm -hmm. I did go to the buying show in August. I made a lot of connections there with new brands that I wouldn't have connected with before, like through my parents or anything like that. And then, yeah, I just, I placed orders. (laughs) I started Mm -hmm. doing all that. I still didn't have a space, but I felt like we would find one. Um, I think I found a space in not until November of that year. So I started in August, just like I committed to it. I went full force and it all kind of came together. Do you remember what opening day was like? Like that first day when things were actually set up, ready for the public to to come and to shop? Like, was it a a good day? Was it a bad day? Was there a lot of fear? Uh, Take us back to that moment. I was terrified. I like when we were putting everything together and the store started to look like a shop and it all came together as I envisioned it would. And then all of a sudden the next day we were going to open to the public and I had no idea if anyone was going to come. Like, I mean, this was just over six years ago, actually almost, yeah, six years ago. So, um, Instagram was still like 
new-ish and it's not like I had a big following personally or anything like that. So, I mean, we probably had like 15 followers on Instagram and I'm thinking like, no one's going to show up to this. Like, why would you be coming? And I definitely was panicked, but it was one of the best days ever. I mean, people, the town showed up, (laughs) they... I could not believe how busy we were. We opened at nine 30 in the morning, I think. And I think I had customers till 9 PM. So wow. it was amazing. And the support from the town was unbelievable. It was just, I don't know. It really confirmed that what I was doing was what I wanted to do. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Now, had you put any thought into like how you would be marketing the business up to that <laughs> point? Did you have a background in marketing from any of your past jobs? Absolutely not. Um, I think I have a very type A personality. I'm very organized. I always like think I have a plan whether I do or not. Um, So marketing to me was like, oh, I can, you know, pop on a couple radio ads and do whatever. But um, I really didn't understand how much it would take to build um, (laughs) the business up. And you do need to have a strategy and you do need to have a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I did not have that at the very beginning, but I've definitely learned a lot from from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's stay on that topic. What would you say are some of the, the key marketing efforts over the past six or so years that you have focused on that you feel have really helped to build the community and to ultimately drive people to purchase from your store? So I think at the beginning, I really was naive, obviously, in how this would work. And I radio ads and those types of things really weren't connecting with my audience. Um, And I was doing them and I really wasn't seeing a response. So then as I guess kind of social media really started to evolve more so for marketing, um, I took that and that has been our go-to platform. I mean, Instagram is, it's a free place to market yourself. Yes, you can pay for ads and that kind of thing, but you really, if you work at it, you can build I mean, we've built a community, I feel like, around our Instagram. Of course, Mm -hmm. I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers. But I mean, on Bells, the way we connect with our customers is via social media, Instagram specifically. And I think it is huge how it impacts your business. I mean, we try and stay involved in the community as well, like with um, giving back any way we can, with fundraisers, with anything like that. And I think that's a big part of marketing your business as well, like Mm -hmm. showing what you care about outside of just selling things to people. And it matters to people, especially in a small town, what you represent for your business outside Mm -hmm. of, I want to sell you this shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important too, as often something that's overlooked when you start a business, like what's my give back strategy or how can I partner within the community? But that really does need to be a core piece uh, of showing your commitment to exactly what you said, a cause outside of just making a dollar in your pocket. So I think that's a really good point. Um, And you say, you know, you didn't have a thousand followers or hundreds of thousands of followers, but didn't have a thousand. But it's, it's a good reminder that you do not need tens of thousands of followers to have a loyal community. I would rather have 100 followers and 100 loyal paying clients rather than 
a million followers, but nobody really cares about yeah. the brand. And I think that's a true testament to, you know, it's not always about the quantity or the number that people see. It's about yeah. the amount of people who who love your content, who are commenting, who are like, I need that bathing suit right now. Yeah. Like that's yeah. much more important. The engagement that we get from Instagram with 3000 followers, I think is superior to what we would have if we paid for 10,000 followers to be on there and they're not actually buying, they're not actually engaging in what we're selling or what we're, what we're doing in the community. Like, it's just, I don't know, you don't need that. And it's really been a good lesson because the beginning you're like, I want to grow my following. I want to like have all of this and show that I represent whatever, but yeah, we have a really great core group of Mm -hmm. community and followers that they engage and yeah, they're there for us. So great. Thanks to edX for supporting this week's episode of Visionary Life. edX offers top quality university education at your fingertips. Supporting learners at every stage, whether you're just entering the job market, changing career paths, or seeking a promotion, edX delivers online courses for visionaries like you on topics that you'll love, like marketing, entrepreneurship, and food and nutrition among many others. To kick off my own edX experience, I enrolled in a marketing course and just wrapped up an amazing lesson on the topic of real-time marketing, which is all about how we, as business owners and marketers, can incorporate the narrative of current events into our promotional strategies. Professor Darren shared so many real-life examples, and I loved listening to this lecture. I also appreciated that I could listen to the lecture at one and a half speed, yeah, I'm a little bit nutty like that, while folding my laundry, cooking dinner, hello multitasking. Visit edX.org slash visionary, that's E-D-X dot O-R-G slash visionary for an exclusive discount and start your learning today with top professors and instructors from a wide variety of prestigious universities. You'll be amazed that you're able to access this type of information without leaving your laptop. Offered fully online, edX courses are flexible and can fit into your busy schedule. What are you waiting for, Visionary? Again, simply visit edX.org slash Visionary to get started. One more time, that's edX.org slash Visionary. So you told us about the launch day being an amazing first day, but what happens in the months after that? Like, can you just walk us through what were some of the successes? And then on the other side, some of the challenges in your first one to two years of business. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, day one was amazing. I, our, we launched in April. So it was kind of just the beginning of when the season will start to slowly pick up up here. Cause our season is obviously the May long weekend till Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part. So I think I launched at the right time in terms of when I was able to just get even general traffic off the street. Like in the winter time, it's very different up here. So the first summer was great. We really did the business grew. It did better than I like much better than I expected actually. But um, the winter came and I wasn't quite prepared for how that would slow down. Even November, it's a total different transition. And then I didn't have maybe the same strategies in place that I do now to keep the locals like shopping and to keep our business relevant, even up until past Christmas. 
So yeah, we really slowed down in November and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, I guess, in the same way. So that was a bit of a challenge and definitely moving forward the next year, I really was prepared for winter in a different way. Um, yeah, it's, it's challenging to maintain a business in Muskoka that's not seasonal. Um, so that was something I was really naive to as well. My parents have, my mom is the sweetest woman in the whole world and she has a really great following of people that just love to support her. So I think I had seen like, Oh, she does so well, like all year, of course we have slower months, but she really does maintain her business so well. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be a challenge. And then that hit me and it, it was very different. I didn't have that same kind of loyalty and support in the winter because the town drops off. So um, that was something that I've definitely worked on and worked on how we market ourselves in the winter mm-hmm. months. <laughs> What are some of those strategies for like how you can overcome a seasonal business? Like, did you have to bring in new products? Were you needing different outreach efforts? Yeah. So I think for us now, up until Christmas, we're pretty consistent, which is great. So obviously Christmas helps get us through the January, February, March months. Um, But for what I try and do in those kind of sale months, uh, one is have really great sales that still yes, we're not making as much money, but we're still bringing our clients and our customers to us. Um, They're still supporting because, you know, there's this sale happening. We do like a lot of Instagram. Uh, I do Instagram sales all the time, but in the winter, I think that's something that really helps us. It's like just quick, easy, and it keeps people kind of interested and excited. And then as well as trying to do like an event in the winter. Um, I think the town's done an amazing job. They actually started Fire and Ice. I think this will be the fifth if, if 2021 happens, I think January would be the fifth one. Um, and fire and ice really has, I don't know. I think it's really helped the town as a whole. It brings a totally different group of people up here for the winter that you wouldn't ever have, even though it's just a weekend, it makes our January. It keeps us relevant in a month that when we're going into February, that would be so, so quiet. It really, really helps invigorate the business and new people find you, people come up from everywhere to come to this event for the weekend. So I think that's a really great strategy that the town has used and we appreciate it. What is Fire and Ice just for the listeners? Who yeah, don't so know. Fire and Ice is just a winter festival, which um, we do a ton of festivals in the summertime. Unfortunately, not this summer. Everything's been canceled, but um, we they do just like, they have a tube run down the main street, down the hill. They have tons of like food vendors, different, even just arts, uh, like different artists, different, they get a whole mixture of everything. There's, um, like a fire breather, there's, um, ice sculptures. They just really bring like life to the town for the winter and make people want to come out because we don't have, Bracebridge doesn't have necessarily like, there's not, it's not a ski town. It's not like Collingwood where they have both a summer and a winter crowd that comes there so I think it was a an awesome idea and yeah every January the last Saturday that's what we do (laughs) amazing now at this point you have another business called Darling Bridal which we mentioned at the beginning so when did that come into play when did that idea pop into your mind why did you want to start a second related but different business um take us back to where this all came from So that originally was kind of in the concept of maybe we could do like a 
a bridal store as well. Um, but bridal was something that I definitely did not know a lot about. Um, so when I opened Bells, I just didn't want to confuse myself and <laughs> get into that. So it had kind of always been on the back burner to do something like that. And then I got engaged in 2014. And so when I was looking for my wedding dress, I had great experience. Like I was in Toronto, we went to some smaller boutiques. I, I did go to one big box store. It was absolutely horrible. I would never do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I did have a great experience with my dress. However, I felt like it was hard to, um, to find what I was looking for, the experience I was looking for. And we had to go to two hours away and we just didn't have something like that up here. So it kind of was always on the back burner. And then when I got my dress, I kind of was like, okay, I feel like I can do this. Um, and then a space opened up and I just decided to go for it. <laughs> I love it. I love that you, you seem to like get these ideas and then say, I'm just going to make that happen, right? I don't, don't know if it's like a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to not overthink things sometimes. Like just know that you have the grit and the right attitude to take it on and you'll figure it out, right? Yeah, yeah. You- just figure it out as you go. (laughs) So were there any challenges in opening a business while you already had one? um, Or did you just feel like, you know what, what's one more ball to juggle? Like this will be fine. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like it would be fine. There was some challenges that I did not anticipate and bridal. I didn't, I still didn't know the business in the same way that I knew clothing and fashion. Yeah. Um, so we did go to New York beforehand. There's the one thing with the bridal industry in Canada is there's not actually a bridal a wholesale show. So you have to go to Chicago or New York to do those things. So that was something I really wasn't anticipating because I go to Toronto and do all of my stuff there and for the shop and it's no problem. So that was like a bigger commitment, I think, than I thought. Um, the inventory as well is just a totally different ballpark than getting in new pieces for throughout every season. Um, bridal, you have to commit to all this inventory before you've even opened, before you've even started anything. And it's, it was, I knew it was going to be a big financial commitment, but it was bigger than I thought. Um, But that being said, we did have a following through bells a little bit. And I think that really helped transition into bridal and had people aware that we were opening and we were going to be there. So Mm -hmm. that it worked out. (laughs) So awesome. So fast forward to where we are today. We're recording this uh, June 19th, 2020. Obviously, we are still in the end months of COVID and all that (laughs) has happened over the last four or so months. So why don't you talk to us how the last few months have been for you being a shop owner and likely not allowing people in the shop for the last however many months. So what's it been like? Um, What have been some of the challenges and where are you today? So I think immediately we thought, okay, we're going to be closing for a couple weeks. Yeah. This sucks, but it is what it is. And quickly that turned to, yeah, we're not reopening for the foreseeable future. Um, So with Bells, I did have a really small online shop that we already had. I did have it developed and I had all of that set up. So that was really helpful to have um, and not have to panic do at the beginning of COVID kicking off. Um, but that has grown exponentially. I never planned on having like an online shop that really did that. We 
it was nice to have for the winter to be able to, you know, engage with some of our cottagers and things like that. But it really wasn't like a huge source of revenue for us, but it was just nice to have. Now, I think it's essential to have. If we don't have an online shop, I don't, like, I can't see us continuing on changing that. So that's been a huge change to Bells and um, adapting to having to connect with people only via social media. Yes, I did a lot of social media before, but Mm -hmm. I mean, a major part of running our business is that people get to come in and see us and engage with us and know us. So we weren't able to connect with people in that way. So I had to adapt to that. And thankfully people have been so responsive, like they've received it very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a huge change to not have people in the store. Yeah. Bridal um, has been different. So bridal was unfortunately March, April, May are huge months for me there. So there's nothing I can do about that. Um, I didn't feel that we tried a few online consultations and things like that, but I just didn't feel like that was a feasible way to really connect with our brides and having to like ship out, Oh, they want to try these samples. And then what do we charge people for that? And it just felt like it wasn't like, it really didn't connect with our business and how we run things. Mm -hmm. So we have, not done anything really with bridal and then um all I've really been able to do now since we only have been able to be open for what maybe three weeks four weeks um so I've had to get all my current brides in to pick up their dresses so that's been a bit of a challenge because I haven't been able to take on new business because of the backlog from before so hopefully after the baby comes, I'm going to give myself a couple weeks, but we're yes. going to reset for bridal and we have a, a few plans, a few little secret things in the works for that. So I'm hoping that we can just kind of pick up where we left off over there, but that bridal's a different challenge with COVID mm-hmm. than a, a clothing shop, obviously. Thank you to Healthy Planet for supporting today's show. Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all of your natural health and supplement needs, and they have the best prices, I promise you. I've been shopping at Healthy Planet for over five years, and that is why I am so grateful to have them as sponsors, because I know you're going to love how easy their online or in-person shopping experience is. You can find them at www.healthyplanetcanada.com. On their website, you can shop by department or dietary need, or even you could just pop in and check the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure that you're stocked up on all of your favorite health goods all of the time. Use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout, that's VISIONARY10, and you'll save 10% on any online order that's a minimum of $49. So again, that's the code VISIONARY10 at checkout at HealthyPlanetCanada.com. When you're feeling overwhelmed with all that's going on or stressed, do you have any strategies as a business owner to kind of like compartmentalize and and just like leave business at your businesses and, and kind of keep your mindset positive even when things are being turned upside down? I think a major weakness that I have is that I don't turn off uh, very often. I think I sit, I try, I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a new idea and I have to write it down. And like, that is just what consumes my brain. And I think during the pandemic, that's been a really hard spot for me because I haven't been able to step back because so much has been online. So 
usually when I come home, I don't have to sit on my social media and respond to people in the same way that we've had to do that. So that's been a little bit tricky. Um, And also not being able to have a glass of wine, that's less fun for this kind of issue. Um, So usually I would say I'd have a glass of wine and sit down and just sit outside and (laughs) chill out, but I haven't been able to do that. So um, I think for me, actually being able to connect with my family helps. Like I can turn off business if I can go play with my son or I can just go do something outside of business. So that helps a lot, but I don't really have great coping strategies with Mm -hmm. stepping away from the business. So, well, I think most entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs have that problem where they can't turn it off and you know, as much as you want to, (laughs) yeah, as much as you want to, but like, this is your life's mission. Like you're yeah. always getting new ideas and getting inspired. Probably when you're playing with your son, you're like, Oh, I yeah. got a new idea. I need to go post that. And yeah. it doesn't always work that you can just drop it at 5pm and, and continue on because it's a ever evolving project, right? So exactly. Yeah, I think that's very normal. Um, now let's dive into just a few things on the town of Bracebridge because we're here to spotlight Bracebridge and all the amazingness that is tucked inside of this town. So I would love to know what advice would you have for somebody who's looking to start and grow a business in a smaller town? So this doesn't need to be Bracebridge specific, but I know there are a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs listening who they live in smaller places and they're like, I want to have a business, but how would I ever grow an audience or have, you know, enough shoppers to stay afloat? What advice would you have for them? Connect with your community, get involved in things that you care about. Firstly, it's so important to actually care about what you're um, promoting or what what you're even just involved in in general. Um, get involved, reach out, meet people. Um, like our BIA is so great, and I think that was something that right off the hop, I really like. I introduced myself. I showed up to meetings. I um, participated in events in the town. So even if you're just planning and don't even have your business up and running like touch base with these um with your business associations and like your chambers because that's in a small town they're there for you and they want you to be there they want to grow the businesses within the town so Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of resources that i think people don't know are there in small towns even in terms of funding in terms there's a lot of different options so i even um was I worked with um, Muskoka Futures at the beginning. They did a young um, entrepreneur grant when I was first starting. And we were actually the first group to go through. So that was, it was just, it was a small grant. It was like $5,000, I think. And you did six months of um, mentorship with, so I actually, I had an accountant that I worked with because that was something I really didn't know with the business. I didn't really know how to do my taxes properly. I, those are things that I didn't really think about. So mm-hmm. that was actually an amazing tool that I had no idea existed. So I think just doing your research about what your town offers and getting involved in the community beforehand really helps and put your name out there, like say hello to people. And it, small towns are a lot more welcoming than people think I sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, I've talked to so many people over the last few months that have kind of been saying, you know what, I'm not getting clients or my business isn't growing. And then when we kind of profile their lifestyle, I'm like, you haven't 
like been out of your house in the last not just the last four months but like the last four years you don't know your neighbors you don't know the businesses downtown you don't walk into the stores and say hello and I think you cannot overlook um, how valuable human connection is like meet people get to know their story ask how you can support them and in turn they're going to want to support you or you're going to meet somebody who can lend a hand to your business so I think we need to um, remind ourselves that you don't build this thing alone like you shouldn't just be behind your laptop or behind your cell phone 24 hours a day Um, that's not the way to build connections and community, which is so vital. One, I think what you said, even about knowing other businesses, it's not right. It's people are really, I think, get caught up in the competition of like, I need to do better than this business. And I, so they don't connect with these other stores. I love, love, love the downtown Bracebridge community. There are so many shops. There are, yes, there are other women's clothing stores. But you know what? I think as long as you keep yourself different from those, you can all like thrive. I shop downtown always. I shop at other stores. I pay Mm -hmm. full retail for things. Um, And I think that is so important is supporting your community as well and getting to know the other business owners because you know what? They're going to refer you over someone else if they have a relationship with you. And that is so huge, especially with other established businesses, you know, businesses that have been there longer than you, Mm -hmm. they can make or break how people perceive your business as well. So that's a huge part of just be kind and realize that there is enough business for everyone. Yes, Yes. you don't want someone that has the exact same concept as you. That's a little bit frustrating. But um, as long as you're evolving and staying innovative, it's, there's, so much room for everyone to be successful, even in a small town. I love that philosophy. Um, And just kind of on that note uh, of like partnerships, have you ever done a partnership with another business in Bracebridge to kind of like elevate each other's brands? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, Little Black Bow is a lingerie shop in town. And so Lindsay and I actually, actually Lindsay worked for my parents when I was growing up. So we've known her for a long time, but we, I feel like our businesses really complement each other quite often. So we do, we've done um, different, like uh, different Instagram or contests. We've done different um, just in-store promotions. Like she'll give me coupons. And so when someone spends a certain amount of money, they get 20% off a little black bow when they spend a certain amount of money, just little things like that really help to connect your customers too, especially when you think you have customers that would be within the same kind of interested in the same thing. So, um, that's been really great. And I've worked with a couple other businesses as well. Like we love, there's so many amazing businesses in Bridge. I think like Calla maybe is coming on here to yes. talk with you. Yeah. Yes. Claire's awesome. Um, I mean, I buy from her all the time, but <laughs> there, yeah, there's room to connect with so many different businesses at, and people just need to, to do that and really step out of your comfort zone and, um, build your brand around your community. Amazing. Uh, Final question that I have for you is, would you have a suggestion for a hidden gem or a piece of nature or a shop besides your own that you would recommend to somebody who's maybe going to spend a night in Bracebridge for the first time and you want them to have the best experience? So what would you say they should definitely hit up? A hidden gem. Um, Oh, there's so many. There's so many good things. You can say a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think 
right in Bracebridge in general, obviously walking to the falls, it's not hidden, but that's something that people maybe don't always go do. They don't make it down to the end of the street, but it's beautiful there and very relaxing. Um, but there's so many like little spots to go hiking. Of course, I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, in terms of like the town and Kala is an amazing little shop, a little bit of a hidden gem, I would say. She's so the cutest little shop. She's the sweetest, sweetest person. Um, and she has a lot of great finds that I've not seen anywhere else in any other stores. Um, there's a lot of great like little restaurants even. Sully's, Muskoka, had, they used to be just a food truck and they actually just opened a brick and mortar. Cool. Um, but it's kind of tucked away. It's just, it's right in town, but it's just kind of around the corner. So people might not see that, but they have the world's best fish tacos. So Good you have recommendation. to go there. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just exploring the town in general and making sure people walk the street, walk into the stores, say hi to people. Like that's what we're here for. We love yeah. it. But I love Amazing. everything. <laughs> well, you're definitely making me excited for when I can head up there in you're a couple weeks. <laughs> yes, I know. And when we can freely browse the shops. But even until then, we can all still support each other through totally. e-commerce and, and just by following one another on Instagram and all that good stuff. So um, I will be sharing a little bit more in the outro to this episode about how you can book yourself a weekend away in Bracebridge, how you can find all these shops and connect with them. But in in the meantime, Crystal, thank you so much for being on the show. Where is the best place for people to connect with Belle's Boutique, with you, with Darling Bridal, all that stuff? Uh, so probably Instagram is our go-to spot. So Belle's is Belle's Boutique Muskoka on Instagram and Darling Bridal is just Darling Bridal. Um, and then we have our websites, everything connected on there. You can email us. You can call us. I think Instagram is probably our best central point. <laughs> um but yeah, and if you ever want to see my wild child running around, my Instagram <laughs> is a fun place to go to. Just Crystal Darling. Um, yeah, we're. I'm always there to answer people's questions, and I love to connect. And yeah, is Darling your real last name? Um. So yes, it's my my married last name. Oh, it's your married last name. It's <laughs> yes, the best. So I, um, <laughs> So I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but we always joked because darling goes with everyone's name. It sounds great with everyone's name, but I yeah. think with my name that it kind of makes me sound like a stripper. So <laughs> I, <love laughs> um, I really wasn't super keen on actually changing my name, but my husband really wanted me to. So here we are. And now I have utilized the name in my businesses. So I can't complain. It was a good decision. <laughs> I love it. I'm actually very envious. So thank you so much for being on the show, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to the town of Bracebridge for supporting the Visionary Life podcast and for believing in our mission of spotlighting visionary entrepreneurs who are sharing their brilliance with the world through their unique businesses. If you'd like to learn more about this quaint little town in Ontario, head to visitthebridge.ca. That's www.visitthebridge.ca. I'll see you in the next episode.